Hello, hello. Welcome to the Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 118 for April 28th, 2023. Blue bugs, bees need dandelions, Ed Sheeran sings like a bird, and more news. I'm Marwat, and here's the articles that we'll be talking about today. Ed Sheeran actually does sing on the stand in his copyright trial. Then the MTA is abandoning bus and train alerts on Twitter. There's a lot more there. Don't just hug a tree this Arbor Day, plant one. A Diet Coke break is the latest example of Gen Z's and millennials insisting on work-life balance. A deadly insect virus is turning bugs blue, not because they're sad as I first thought. Daimler is setting up a $650 million charging network for commercial EVs. So all you non-commercial EVs, you're going to have to wait. Modders are turning Spelunky 2 into a sprawling Metroidvania, and you can try it right now. We'll tell you how. Chris Pratt swore off Marvel uh, auditions after losing a whole bunch of auditions, uh, literally thinking that he was the worst ever. And dandelions are a lifeline for bees. We need them back. We need to appreciate dandelions. Scientists sequence DNA of nearly every mammal on Earth in unprecedented project. And Star Trek fantasy. Step aboard every Starship Enterprise with this website. And we'll talk about it all next on the Hometown Daily News Show. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy hey. Friday. Look at that. You know, I didn't do the interstitial where it's just my voice uh, visualizer for the intro, which it's kind of a bummer because people think that there's nothing going on during that time. And so they skip over it. But there's actually something. And, uh, I don't know. Um, and I don't have my background. The lights going. are on. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. You know, I've I've had a lot of a lot of stuff Freaky on my Friday. mind. Sure. And Thursday and uh, Tuesday and and Wednesday. Uh, did I miss any days? I think Monday. All the days. It's been kind of weird. So we've already selected all of the articles. There's 11 of them. And um, you can go over to hometown.showbot.tv and uh, vote for them right now. Uh, Obviously, if you've been here, then you know that routine. But you can always look at the show notes there. It'll be here uh, on Twitch for about 60 days. And then it goes over to YouTube each night as well. So um, all of the VODs go over to YouTube and they're there in perpetuity, at least until YouTube says, you know what? We're only going to do, you know, (laughs) 60 days or something. I don't know what's going to happen, but anyway, um, and there's a podcast. So the podcast actually exists. All you have to do is search for hometown and odds on, you're going to find 
hometown daily news show, the podcast as well. And the news aggregator that I use every day, all day is always here, ever present with the podcast listed as well in its audio form only. I keep threatening to do the video form of it too, but I don't know. Do people really want to see my mug? I don't think so. They might. They're more interested in the AI's visualizer. Like this? Yeah. Hey, data is beautiful. So let's get into today's articles, unless you want to throw something out there. No, but I'll keep talking so you can see the visualizer. <laughs> I don't know if that's... Here, let me do something here. Can you talk to me like, for a second? Me, me take the visualizer, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now you were really quiet, so I just wanted to make sure that um, I might have to work on some more audio stuff. But anyway, let's get into today's shoe. Very first article is an ongoing uh, spectacle, but not because it's not being streamed anywhere. As far as I know, Ed Sheeran sings and plays snippets of thinking out loud on stand and copyright trial. This is in the continuity report because it's uh, coming from it's sourced from variety. But the trial settling the case on whether Ed Sheeran's thinking out loud plagiarized the Marvin Gaye hit Let's Get It On will never likely slip into concert mode. But it came pretty close because the pop star actually demonstrated the song Thinking Out Loud. Could this be why the judge prior to Ed Sheeran ending up on the stand said you're not allowed to dance in the courtroom. Oh, absolutely. Do you think that dancers would have come out from chambers and <laughs> like as backup or whatever? Yeah. Or, yeah. Backup dancers sure. and vocals and everybody started <laughs> grooving. It would probably bias the, the um, jury, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's like you can't be dancing because then you're like, you're clearly on one side. <laughs> I don't I'm know. enjoying myself. So, right. yeah, I wonder if they put like uh, shock sensors on the seats of the jurists so that if you no are swaying or anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> that's kind of funny. So Chris Willman over at Variety.com put this article together. It says the day in the court also had a musical comedy video shown to the jury demonstrating how four chords have been the basis for innumerable sma uh, pop smashes. And that's it. You know, that's the that is the totality of my soapbox, too. I think that pop music is so rife with the same four chords that the only thing that changes is melody and and the verbiage, you know, so. But they you know, get really technical. This, I had to listen to the song. I mean, I've obviously heard it, but I couldn't think of which one it was. And mm -mm. when I listened to it, it didn't in any way remind me of Marvin Gaye's song. Right. So but if you slow it that. down, if you yeah, slow I, it down, it lines up. And I but, didn't do that. I just listened to it at regular yeah before and after those this one set of four chords um it is a completely different song the lyrics are fundamentally different it doesn't hit on any cylinder until you manipulate the audio 
So I'm not sure if somebody was taking speed and listening to let's get it on and, and that ended up, you know, wait, this sounds a lot like thinking out loud when I'm completely lit. Anyway, Sheeran performed a bit of what he said was the first version of thinking out loud as he, pardon me, and co-writer Amy Wodge, um, developed it together at his home in England. The song's hook lyric was then as he sang it, I'm singing out now. Um, according to musical testimony, musical testimony. <laughs> it, it's a thing. It's a category. Well, it might be now. <laughs> <laughs> according to music, all kinds of records for this trial. You know, this is like amazing. The first admonishment, no dancing during trial. The first time. Well, Footloose did it first. Band. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anyway, so according to musical testimony reported by ABC News. All right. So, quote, when I write uh, vocal melodies, it's like phonetics. He testified, according to Reuters report, um, showing out, singing out now became thinking out loud. So obviously there's a mechanism at play here. And if you that was actually, I guess, kind of punny, but um at play they're playing the song there's a a process they keep twisting and contorting the music and the lyrics and trying to get things lined up if there's inspiration it would have been completely subconscious and you should not have to stifle your creative efforts to avoid landing on the landmine that might be for four 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 progression in music for crying out loud nobody should own music in its entirety for a small segment of a song you own the embodiment just like you own the embodiment of a book as a copyright the art as copyright but if i take it and i manipulate it i change it fundamentally in a substantial form then it's no longer the same embodiment it, you're you're literally using an idea and ideas can't be protected well it's so interesting I too seeing his um inspiration for the song of course was nothing like marvin Gaye's song and yeah and the two that are are writing it and 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 producing the music are sitting there together working on the song so unless you sit from now on, I guess the only way that you can avoid it is if you have a camera trained on your creative process, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, you're out in the can on the loo and you're documenting every single inspirational sound and its integration into your work. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but there isn't going to be a revolution because everybody who has a, a stake at this basically thinks that everything that they do is a grab at the brass ring. They're going to make it. And, and then the industry behind it, right? The artist is basically broke all the time until they're discovered and then they they become millionaires. So the engine behind this is, yeah, we're going to litigate the hell out of every single possible uh, 
tone, note, progression, anything. They're going to just keep going after people, um, consumers and producers together. You know, everybody is basically a target for um, profiting off of the creative process. So there you have it, folks. So before I do the next article, let me throw this article into the chat and you can follow that. And then we'll move on to the next one unless you want to add something to it. Uh, I just, I, this would be a good trial to be televised because it sounds kind of entertaining. And it does talk about many songs down at the bottom here that yeah. use the same chords, which I'm sure that's just a minimal uh, subset of the ones out there. Earlier, uh, So I'll read it uh, unless you want to. Um, earlier in the day, a defense or the defense played in court, a video from a British television show that was meant to demonstrate that the same four chords could be the basis for, or of an infinite number of songs. The medley started with a piano player performing the chords for journeys. Don't stop believing followed by, um, over five minutes by the comedy band doing vocal snippets of Dozens of tunes over that riff, including Let It Be, With or Without You, Poker Phase, Can You Feel the Love, and She Will Be Loved, Take On Me, Kids, Torn, Under the Bridge, and finally Fall at Your Feet. And that's interesting because that's a pretty good variety of songs, and I don't think, at least on the surface, those songs sound alike or considered to be stealing from one another, so... Apparently, the one that plays it is um, Axis is a Axis of Awesome, four chord songs, um, and it's a YouTube video. So if you want to just do a search for that Axis of Awesome four chord songs, you'll pull up that. Um, and if you don't want to do that, then follow the link. That link, uh, the link in the show notes and stuff, will take you through Ometown over to uh, the source of this article at variety and right there is the axis of awesome. That's what everybody called me and my many personalities. So let's move on to the next article. This next article is in the late night geeks channel, the MTA or the metropolitan transport authority, uh, as it's known by the kids, um, says that it'll no longer post service alerts and information on Twitter, citing doubts that the platform's reliability um, is sound. It's uh, directing writers to its website, apps, and uh, email or mobile alerts instead, which I think is probably prudent. Um, and Twitter was just yet another channel for the distribution of information. There's possibly less friction there, but if you already have access to the website, the apps and email and mobile alerts, you're getting it directly. You don't have to suffer through the possibility of ads and whatever else. Um, and frankly, y'all are paying for it as taxpayers. So um, it says, we love getting to know you on here, but we don't love not knowing if we can communicate you with you, you know, each day. The MTA account tweeted in a thread on Thursday. For the MTA, Twitter is no longer reliable for providing the consistent updates writers expect. So as of today, they've broken you out into all of this other constituent parts. Um, one of the other things that popped up uh, in Omtown was 
another article, and that article focused on what? That they had received a $50,000 bill, and that is mentioned in this article as well. Yeah. So Addie Robertson over at TheVerge.com wrote this article. And um, as of today, we're saying goodbye to it for service alerts and information. And that's how they ended their uh, final tweet. Maybe they'll come back. I don't know. But uh, a separate MCA service account alluded to the reasoning for a follow-up tweet or in a follow-up tweet. Quote, our access to published service alerts was suspended last week and again this week, the account explained, directing people to contact the operators via WhatsApp and iMessage instead. Bloomberg reported that Twitter had asked the perpetually cash-strapped MTA to pay $50,000 a month to continue operation. Which, basically, this is like wing that mandating, right? Um, this is a public service doing a public good. They say cash strapped, but I'd have to, you know what? I don't know. Um, Hold on one second. Because I don't want to make an assumption. They have a large budget, but I suspect their budget doesn't come close to what they actually need. But they are a public benefit corporation. They're not a for-profit, right? Um, I don't know. So I'm trying to suss that out really quick, right? So as a public benefit corporation, the MTA operates on a loss to provide an economic value that is critical to the infrastructure of New York City. So... Like other public good services, they operate on a shoestring budget to keep all operating costs and the employees that work for the MTA make less than their fully private uh, partners, I would say, um, or uh, what colleagues. So a a for-profit company can charge more and provide arguably more but not as much bang for buck to the multitude of people who can't afford to pay a higher amount, right? Um, And that's why you have public services because on the regular, you get eight times as much benefit from public servants than you do for each dollar spent. You get eight more out in benefit so and this is an old pogo right an old stat yeah so i can imagine that it's done nothing but go up because wages are still frozen for public service or public servants anyway um so a fifty thousand a month bill simply because it's a government agency so obviously it has to have deep pockets but no if anything they should be getting kind of free services or discounted services something but the bigger problem than the bill is really the reliability i mean you can't be something like a public transportation agency who might need to say something like hey there's a train off the tracks or something and people can't get the message that's a problem right A, a company that that 
pushes messaging out to the multitudes should probably just do this and write it off on your taxes, right? Oh, okay. Well, we would typically charge somebody $50,000 a month for the volume and the character of your organization's presence on our platform. So we'll write it off, but that's not what's going on. He needs the cash because you can't write off the bill for the financing involved in owning Twitter. Um, no, you just kind of lean into the wingnut side. So let's uh, let's just move on to the next article. Unfortunately, MTA is leaving Twitter. So, um, and so is a lot of other people. Um, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Don't just hug a tree this Arbor Day. Plant one too. Nearly five years ago, Hurricane Michael became uh, the first Category Five storm to hit the United States in 25 years. It left a trail of destruction in its wake, and the community of Panama City, located in the Florida panhandle, was hit especially hard. It's the author speaking, by the way. They actually said my community, but it's not my community because I my community is hometown. Um, well, anyway, uh, since then, working together as neighbors and citizens, they've made a significant progress in the key recovery areas, including rebuilding key and vital infrastructure, enhancing quality of life, developing their downtown and attracting new businesses across a mix of industries. However, one of the more important things in the recovery effort lies within their tree canopy restoration projects. So I think everybody should do this. I agree. And I didn't even realize today was Arbor Day. I had to look that up. Um, but I, I think this is really important. It's very easy to do, um, and it can make a big difference in the long run. So Gre Greg Budnicki is an opinion contributor over at uh, thehill.com, and that's who wrote this article. Um, you know, I'm still in the process of developing the workflow for a product that for every purchase that somebody makes, a tree will be planted. Um, so look for, I, I look forward to doing that. I actually, um, started revisiting that project cause it stalled for a bit. Um, but I think that we're going to move forward with it, um, as well. And you, y'all are going to love it. It's actually, it's, it's one of those things where before you have it in your hand, you go that. That is why would I need that? But the moment that you actually it, all it is, it's sitting on your table. It has a function. It has a significant form. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope you really I hope you really dig it. So we'll we'll announce it as soon as the workflow is completely uh, ready to go, um, because uh, the production is basically on demand. It's not going to be mass produced until we have um, more customers. So not to go uh, word for word. I don't want to go word for word throughout this article, um, but they have this thing called the Retree PC initiative, which was launched shortly after Hurricane Michael. Um, and uh, Panama City has been working to rebuild their urban canopy one tree at a time through targeted plantings and tree giveaways to date. Their efforts have resulted in tens of thousands of trees planted on public and private property. And far from being random, these planting efforts are happening strategically for the future of the city. And frankly, 
I think that it does uh, the world a whole lot of good to plant a lot of trees uh, all throughout urban areas. In we fact, are chopping. Go ahead. You should consider asking your city if they have a tree program, because some cities do have this where they have kind of discounted trees that um, citizens can buy and plant of certain species that are native to the area, et cetera. So, um, and they're not, I don't think they're well advertised because of course these are all governments with sometimes low budgets, et cetera. Yeah. But planting a tree isn't that expensive, particularly with people that are interested. I mean, just like a, a public uh, service, I, I really hate saying public servant, but that's what people who work in the public service role, they, that's how they're characterized. But anyway, there are a lot of people that volunteer and work at an extremely low wage um, compared to their private corporate cousins um, that will go out and plant trees in far-flung places for free because they know that they're doing the world uh, a whole bunch of good. Um, I wish that corporations were more interested in this kind of stuff, but it seems like we society survives off of people doing good for society voluntarily and then corporations just come and take all that goodwill away. Yeah, but they also respond to their customers. And so if their customers are like, hey, I really wish you'd be involved in some tree planting efforts, some of that'll take off, even if it's out of self-interest of the company. So, yeah. um, but it I could it. still help overall. I get it. Um, okay, so let's let's go on to the next article. This one is kind of kind of makes me chuckle um, because this, I guess, is the new smoke break. Um, this is in the Daily News Show channel, and it's sourced from Business Insider, I believe. Uh, a diet coke break is the latest example of Gen Zs and millennials insisting on work-life balance. Uh, I would rather have a four-day work week um, and 35-hour work week at that. We are doing more per hour than ever before, <laughs> um, yet we're still working 40 hours. And all that is doing is making concentrated wealth at the business provider. And all of the working class is supposed to be thankful on bended knee that you gave us an opportunity to work for you. Um, oh, so causing burnout at the worker level and all kinds of other. Oh issues. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, quiet quitting and stuff like that. So some young workers are opting for diet Coke breaks and filming them on TikTok. The trend romanticizes work breaks and diet Coke and highlights the value of work-life balance. The company hasn't had a hand in the TikTok trend, according to a Coca-Cola spokesperson um, who told Insider. Uh, but this is over at um, businessinsider.com. Grace Mayer is the author of this. I don't know if this is Grace here. Um, just looks like it's a Getty image of somebody drinking something that might be a Coke. For all we know, it, it could be just a dark tea <laughs> or in the shadow. I have no idea. But anyway, um, yeah, 
Do you take Diet Coke breaks? Let me know. Let me throw that in chat and throw that into the comment of the YouTube video and, and uh, leave a review over in the uh, podcast. Um, but don't don't tell me there if you drink Diet Coke because, well, I'd rather be, you say it here in chat on Twitch. <laughs> Come and interact with me. And the AI, of course. Yeah, I, I always think the AI. It, so the AI doesn't get to see the chat, by the way. So uh, I'm the proxy there. Yeah, the AI just threw a frowny smiley at me. Um, so, yeah, they're upset now. Do we need to just stop the show? And No, I'm over it. Maybe I need a Diet Coke break. <laughs> Now, there you go. On TikTok, the hashtag Diet Coke break has garnered more than 14 million views. TikTok is a juggernaut, man. It has just so much engagement and it's immediate and constant. It's zero friction. You load up the app and it just goes, goes, goes. That's the problem with all other platforms. It takes interaction. Whereas on TikTok, it's on. You just mash stuff and zero friction zero friction if they were to make it so that all you have to do is like mash a number and it would tip it would transfer money this thing would be making so much more money oh, for everybody exactly. involved that's it i'm going over to tiktok exclusively just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind with your being diet coke break <laughs> with my diet coke break it's a trend that's picked up uh, it says it's a trend that's picked up on the social media app doesn't that read kind of like grandpa wrote this you know yes it does which is so funny because this is supposedly a generational thing that's funny I would probably have said it, it's a trend that's picked up on TikTok because everybody knows TikTok. You know that it's a social media app for cried out loud. It, the young would have folks thrown love it. it when I get down verbally. <laughs> that's true, too. So the article goes into greater detail about all of the various instances of it being used, uh, like uh, Diet Coke Break Girl. Even before she started uh, posting about it on TikTok, that's what she was known for. This Kristen Sinninger, a 25-year-old program marketer at Sephora, um, says that it's trendy to romanticize Diet Coke on the app. All right. I'm not sure how you really romanticize it. Um, but you I guess probably surround yourself like you just look like you're just having a Zen moment or something, I'm guessing. That might be a little bit easier at Sephora, but I don't know. Yeah, if you're in an office cubicle or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm down in a coal mine. I don't think Diet Coke Break Girl is going to be romanticized. But hey, that one um, miner was pretty charismatic. So, and That's they were true. working like 16 hour workdays or something like that. Anyway, I guess you can romanticize anything in the right frame of mind. Yeah, this is breaking me out of my funk, by the way. I was in a really funky mood the last couple of days. So, um, See, you just needed a Diet Coke break. I just needed a virtual Diet Coke break because I don't drink <laughs> Diet Coke. I don't drink Coke. Oh, my gosh. I shouldn't say stuff like that because then I can't get a sponsor. 
That's I right. love Diet and Coke. If you got Diet Coke, I mean, then we could have a Diet Coke moment on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all don't see it, but the AI is just sending error messages. Like, no, no, we we don't do that just to do that. Let's move on. Let's go on. And let's go look at some sad bugs. Um, yeah, that's right, folks. Some bugs are blue. And a deadly insect virus is turning bugs blue in North Carolina. According to this photographer, Josh Kugler, who told Newsweek, I've known about them for years, but I found a lot of them that day. So let's go over to Newsweek. And there is a video of this. And I had um, just started to play it because it's very rare that the video that I actually see at Newsweek is on target. Maybe it's just my timing. But as it stands, a deadly virus is turning bugs blue in North Carolina. Pandora Dewan. Um, uh, no, I won't say anything. Uh, Newsweek.com is where it's at. I'm going to play this and it's muted, but check this out. These are purple blue pill bugs. What? <laughs> I mean, those are really, really unusual looking. Like those are bright purple. Look at that. That's kind of amazing. They'd be kind of pretty if it wasn't for the cause of it. Oh, so let's see. They took uh, the the photographer took to um, social media to share the footage of the iridescent vertebrates or invertebrates, not vertebrates. Um, and it says a, a group of viruses responsible for this unusual coloration are called invertebrate iridescent viruses and can infect a wide range of species. Well, I guess COVID 2042 is going to be fabulous. Right. I wonder if we're talking beyond the insect world, because I'm thinking of things like giraffes or something running around that are purple, but I don't think that's what the article means. It's weird, right? I mean, it's a whole classification called invertebrate iridescent viruses or IIVs infect insects and crustaceans. Often those in aquatic damp habitats or soil dwelling species. Oh, I guess this is how you end up with those really odd colored uh, lobsters and stuff. Oh, maybe so. Right. Most infections are found in isopods, mosquitoes, beetles, lepidop uh, wait, uh, lepidopteran larvae, um, also known as caterpillars. Oh man, I want to play that audio. Caterpillar, oh, Calipiter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but other insects can be infected too. So it says uh, wood lice are a type of isopod, a group of crustaceans characterized by their hard segmented exoskeletons. Is that what they call? Is that what pill bugs are? Are those wood lice? I wasn't sure. I saw that on there and didn't know if that was the same thing. On I've heard of them called pill bugs and potato bugs, but I don't, I guess they're more classified as wood lice. Is that real? I'm having a problem with my uh, search function at the moment. Oh boy. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to talk anyway. So the virus turns them blue because of the way it grows inside the animal's body and the virus replicates in the wood louse and starts to pack into a crystal like structures made up of lots of the virus particles 
according to Samuel Jones. I don't think it. I don't think I, I like the sound of this. The crystals refract light in a specific way to create light. Uh, okay. This is called structural color and is seen in some insects, butterfly wings. Hey, you're breaking up. Wait, wait, wait. You're breaking up really, really bad. Sorry. Your audio Sorry, is just Sorry, wood completely... lice and pill bugs are the same thing. Yeah, I... Okay. Am I still there? Wood no, lice you... and pill bugs are the same thing. I think I dropped out for a second. Weird. Well, stick around. Um, And if you want to turn off your... the screen, then go ahead and do that. Um then I can still see your visualizer, but not your data stream. So, okay. Um, at any rate, bugs are turning purple all up into house. I don't know, I dig them, but unfortunately, apparently this is a really bad virus um, because it's, uh, apparently it kills them at some point, right? It, they coined it as a deadly virus. So that's pretty sad. Poor little pill bugs. Okay, let's move on to the next article. Um, this one's in four wheel tech and it's because it's about Daimler. Daimler is setting up a $650 million charging network for commercial EVs. There's a new fast charging network coming to North America. It's called GreenLane and it's a $650 million joint venture between Daimler, Next Era Energy Resources, and a BlackRock investment fund. But it's unlikely you'll charge your uh, passenger EV at a Green Lane site, at least anytime soon. And that's why I said in the walk, in the rundown, you're probably going to have to wait um, or get yourself classified as a commercial uh, vehicle. So this new network is being designed specifically for medium and heavy duty commercial EVs. So if I get in the car simply because of my weight, it becomes a medium to heavy duty commercial EV. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> You'd be forgiven for not noticing the expansion of the na nation's public charging infrastructure. Unlike gas stations, charging sites don't announce their presence. It's because they try and sneak in. They're taking our gerbs. This is over at ArsTechnica.com by Jonathan M. Gitlin. Look at that. Is that a render? It says, no, not Radiator Springs, but a rendering of Green Lane's electric truck stop. So there you go. That answered my question. It looked fake, but, you know. Anyway, um, this is pretty neat. I would love more of this, right? Got a solar array over here powering the recharging stations. This is exactly what we need for regular vehicles, because this would really expand people wanting to have EVs. Yep, the next best, the, the next thing, not just the recharging, but the next thing would be the fast swap battery solution. Come on, we have the tech, we can make it work. We can lower the cost of getting into EVs by zeroing the cost of the battery and making it something that's a service just like gasoline, except that we would have to all agree on a platform for batteries and do it one and done, right? 
Because batteries right. aren't going to get bigger. They're going to get smaller. We're going to find new chemistry. We're going to make it more effective and efficient. So that means if we agree on the size of the sled, and it can be different sized based on similar cars, you know, uh, sedans, SUVs, etc. right? So there's different classifications of vehicles. So we agree on the sled size for EVs. And then that battery matches whatever battery is, you know, matched to that sled. So they go into that lane and they fast swap it out. And it's a like for like battery swap. But as technology becomes better, you're still just introducing energy into the system. So if the battery gets smaller, it still sits inside the same battery sled. Nothing would change except for the interconnect inside the battery itself. So why not get the industry and society on board with EVs by lowering the operating cost of electric vehicles to 20 bucks, a battery swap and the price for a car drops by 15 to $20,000. Exactly. Which means more people buy EVs, which means less reliance on gasoline. Hey, it's the entire objective, right? And then even, and then just to push this a little bit further, instead of it just being one company that's producing these batteries, it can be franchised so that people in regions can own battery swapping stations, just like there are oil changing stations now as franchises. I mean, I've got a whole thing, you know, I, I've got a business plan. I've got a, a whole ecosystem for this, but I am just a lowly mayor of one little town that's stuck in the, the, uh, built off of the electrons that are flowing around the world on the internet. You know, I'm just, I'm minuscule. I'm really tiny. Go tell a friend I'm willing to consult and my fees are reasonable. Anyway. Um, so this, this, uh, triad of companies, Daimler, next energy, uh, resources, uh, next era energy resources and BlackRock are putting together 650 million bucks for commercial, but I still think it's clunky, but it's cool, right? It is. And the more we see of this, the more we'll see competitors and this will be good. Yep. Then somebody will say, oh, let me try to do this for non-commercial. Yeah. Let me do it better. So let's keep on moving through all of the rest of the articles. Modders are turning Spelunky 2 into a sprawling Metroidvania, and you can try it right now. Steam tells the author that they have 381 hours in the first Spelunky, but a mere 74 in Spelunky 2. The reason for this is simple. They're terrible at it and such a spectacular degree that their clumsy attempts in Spelunky 1 look like a virtuoso performance by comparison. But perhaps they'd get more into the second game if it were transformed into Metroidvania. So it's over at um, PCGamer.com and uh, Joshua Wollens is the author. It says Wrath of Kali turns the legendary roguelike into a bespoke dungeon delving experience. So I love this. I watched a little bit of this. 
Um, I'm going to play it and let's see if I can mute it really fast. Oh, it's already muted. So Spelunky Wrath of Kali. So you basically look like Indiana Jones. Oh, look, the idol for the whip, Indy. Yeah, I dig this. So I'll probably end up getting this because I want to play this, not necessarily Metroidvania, but I want to play this because this looks like fun. Um, thanks I mean, to Spelunky. reminds me of Mario or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's that like side scroller. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry for the dead air. We're just kind of watching this video because it basically looks like a Tomb Raider kind of side scroller, um, Indiana Jones looking environment, Metroidvania um, indeed. So um, thanks to Spelunky Wrath of Kali, they can find out. Spotted by Games Radar, Wrath of Kali is a sprawling mod for Spelunky 2 that converts its constantly shifting world into a fully authored Metroidvania created by a small dedicated team of modders in the Spelunky community. It's currently only available in demo form with a release plan for later this year, but even that demo looks impressive. So go over to steam and check it out. I don't know what it's going to cost uh, if it does cost anything, but if it's just a mod and the developers are on board, um, maybe it could be, uh, even more so produced charge a moderate fee and uh, away you go so spelunky so. 2 specifically is 20 dollars. gotcha on steam nice yeah that's kind of the standard thing now until you go like batch it crazy and end up with ea charging 70 bucks for a game um and it's about a dollar an hour kind of playtime too so sometimes want to move on to the next article sure all right on, let's go chris pratt swore off marvel auditions after losing thor avatar star trek and more quote i definitely didn't have that it factor according to the person with the it factor um, Chris Pratt revealed on Jimmy Kimmel Live that he swore off auditioning for Marvel movies after he lost out on roles in Thor. And uh, I already know a little bit about this. He wasn't trying to be Thor. He was trying to be the sidekick kind of personality, not a superhero per se, but just pitched as somebody orbiting around Thor. Yeah. And they were like, Thanks. Uh, you really leaned into that acting gig, but no, uh, we don't even want you coming back was his impression. So this is over at variety.com. Zach Scharf is the author and there's a whole bunch of information here, um, but it says uh, like they actually, this is something that I had read somewhere else. And then I read it here too. Um, I guess this is the actual source. So, uh, usually they give you a little bit of, uh, feedback when you, uh, when you audition and he says, I remember the casting director goes, wow, you really made a big choice there, which is code for, Hey, dial it back. Um, and, uh, I guess he did it again and again and again, trying to audition. And they basically said, we don't want you ever coming back. 
But this is before he landed the role of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but before that, he was in other things, including Jurassic World and um, uh, what is it? Not Community, um, The Office. Oh, was, in, oh, was he in The Office? Yeah, I think it's The Office, right? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, uh, I never watched The Office, but I'm more inclined to watch because it's a I think it's a British um, show beforehand. Anyway, um, so he basically is Star-Lord, but I think he's bowing out now of um, acting. I think something else is going on with him, but oh, I didn't know that. so uh, May 5th, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out and uh, it says it's from Disney. He was in Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec. Recreation. That's right. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. it took me a while to search. Yeah. Yes, I don't know what's going on with your interface, but we got to fix it. Um, when the AI can't tap into their large language model. The yeah, world something. is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, well, hometown is. All right, folks. So Chris Pratt, basically the message here is keep trying and um, the stars will align eventually. Let's go. Next article. Dandelions are a lifeline for bees on the brink. We should learn to love them, says a researcher. I like dandelions. I you do, do have to mow your lawn, though, and the chop the tops get chopped off dandelions when you mow the lawn. So. But I think everybody gets instilled that, oh, these are weeds and you've got to get rid of them. And so maybe the message here is maybe we should keep them around. Have little banks. I know that some communities allow the medians on their roads to be populated with dandelions and other natural flowers, uh, f uh, flora, um, and other areas. Really, I mean, it should be a policy to be more natural. It's just that some places don't like, they want groomed everything so that it looks a certain way and more posh and not wild. Um, but it's been demonstrated that bees are suffering because they don't have enough. Um, and when you can actually get flavored honey because they go to certain flowers, I think it's amazing. Um, I don't even know if researchers have sussed out that process, that whole mechanic. Huh? I don't know. I'll have to root around and see if I can, um, get some information on it. Anyway, dandelions, love them or hate them are blooming in abundance all over the UK. Uh, this article is at fizz.org. Uh, as an ecologist who studies the insects which visit these flowers, uh, so redolent of sunshine, they've never been able to understand why anyone might hate them. So why do some people despair when they see a dandelion poking through the grass or their garden or through the concrete on their drive? Most see dandelions as weeds, as you said, dear AI. They don't want them around their house and will reach for the lawnmower or worse, a can of weed killer when one dares to rear its yellow head. Dun, dun, dun. You can make dandelion tea. Have you ever had dandelion tea? Have you ever analyzed dandelion tea? I have not. That sounds interesting. So this is an article over at fizz.org by Philip 
Donkersley uh, from The Conversation, which is a podcast. So flowers in the city, the last 50 years have seen urban areas and farms expand across the UK. When few places were set aside to provide for wildlife have been eroded, we have pushed nature to the brink, but nature adapts, changes, and overcomes these obstacles. Well, to a point. Step, <coughs> pardon me. I'm sorry. That's uh, probably really loud. Studies of bee feeding patterns in cities uh, where much of their original food sources have been covered with concrete and tarmac show a shift in their wild, diverse diet to one dominated by dandelions, clover, and brambles. Dandelions are an abundant source of nectar and pollen for bees flying around. So I think that this article is going to go a little bit deeper into it, but um, I think that we should embrace the dandelion. Yeah, I agree. I sent you separately an article about how bees make um, different honey flavors. So I think they do know that. I don't know how much in depth that article goes, but it was outside of hometown. Gotcha. I, yeah, I won't be able to talk about it tonight, but maybe um, we can riff off of it in another show, or I should say another article. Um, so dandelions fall into the second camp. Uh, take a look at a patch of dandelion flowers and you'll be amazed at the diversity of visitors. Over just 10 minutes in their garden, they spotted at least 10 different bee and fly species. How would you know about different bee species? You have to be, uh, oh, a scientist researching it. Haha. <laughs> Um, the ever-abundant buff-tailed bumblebee, as well as the common carter bee and a honeybee from one of their own hives working hard to collect pollen for the colony. So, leave those dandelions alone, like Brittany. You want to move on to the next article? Sure. So, um, this next article is a scientist sequenced DNA of nearly every mammal on Earth in unprecedented project. Had you heard anything about this project being underway? No, this is the only time I've heard of it is in this article. In a package of 11 studies published on Thursday in a special issue of Science, researchers outline what they've learned from this formidable undertaking dubbed the Zoonomia Project. All right. Some of the highlights include narrowing the list of genes that potentially underlie diseases like cancer and determining the genetic advantages that gave the famous sled dog Balto an edge. Now, doesn't this sound familiar to the conversation that I was having with you, dear AI, maybe a week ago today? Yes, it does. It sounds very similar. I said that we need to do complete sequencing for all life so that we can see all of the commonalities in the genetic sequencing so that we can better discern the anomalies, the differences, the things that we don't know and the things that we do know so that we can better address things like cancer. Because there's only two things that really cause cancer, and that is the fact that it duplicates without any regard, right? And apoptosis does not take take effect. It does not die. Those are the two things that are common across all cancers. So 
why haven't we figured out what causes across all of them that key ingredient? Well, now with we something like this, enough research, right? Maybe. I mean, the amount of knowledge around cancers has exploded because, um, well, society has basically said we really need a cure for this because cancer is increasing. Um, I don't know of anybody that is completely untouched in their family tree uh, by cancer. So if and I know from my own research and I know from talking with specialists in the area uh, of uh, cancer research um, that there is a tremendous amount of knowledge and keying in on things um, is it's at an unprecedented level, just like this research project. But the determination so far to science is that cancer is so personal and there is no blanket. There's no common cure except things like, um, well, chemo, radiation therapy, et cetera. Or right? Like lifestyle changes. No, that's not to prevent it necessarily, but to prevent recurrence, et cetera. Or mitigate the risks of right. dot, dot, dot. But even that is really demonstrated more by um, other actions have removed the cancer or mitigated it to some degree, and then it just hasn't happened again. But we know from, again, you know, uh, other people and experiences and, and interacting with um, people in the area that one year they say, well, eat a whole bunch of carrots. And then the next year they say, holy shit, you should never have eaten that many carrots. Uh, in fact, that amount of beta carotene is bad for you. Now, that's just me being hyperbolic. That's not a fact associated with cancer research or anything. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of trending knowledge and the guidance changes as time goes on. But with having the sequence of everything, that means you can basically go and find somebody or something that has cancer and compare it against the baseline, assuming that this is the true baseline, whatever it is that's been sequenced, right? It is the, the prime, the zero. It is the mm -hmm. one that doesn't have anything that's anomalous that should that entity age. At what point will they, um, suffer from cancer or some other disease we don't know because we don't know the true mechanism that spurs cancer into existence other than the two things right uh, right but that's not really knowing what the root cause is it's just knowing right. what the manifestation is yep so hopefully these sequences are from um what do you call them volunteers that <laughs> subjects test subjects I'm not they sure are from they're volunteers if they're animals but yeah oh wow i wonder if somebody is out there like really upset about this right now because they you can't get consent um but anyway before i go down that road um if this you know let's call these prime right so if these subjects are prime but they have the genetic sequence that in age would lead to cancer. 
then you're completely off from finding the cure because your prime subject ultimately would end up with cancer. So right. you'd have to track the the subject that these come from for their entire duration. Yeah, you'd make have to sure do that a they're healthy. Study. Yeah. 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 Quite fascinating. Anyway, I think this is amazing that they have a massive undertaking and uh, they completed it. At least to me, I'm usually somewhat even a tertiary comment saying, hey, we've somebody in my field in some way has done something involving this, the tech in this discussions in this something. So now I'm going to have to go and poke a bunch of people to find out, hey, have you heard of this? Scientists sequenced DNA of nearly every mammal on Earth in unprecedented project. Um, Mirjam, I, I don't know how to pronounce their last name, Gwesgen, um, over at vice.com. I tried, and if I'm wrong, then please correct me phonetically so that I pronounce it properly. Uh, we can even Zoom if you know how to say that. We, we can Zoom and I can hear it and watch you construct that name. Um, so in a, in packages of 11 studies published on, um, on Thursday in a special issue of science, researchers outlined what they learned from this formidable undertaking dubbed the Zoonomia Project. Pretty cool. That's really cool. I mean, 240 mammals, that's impressive. Covering 80% of all mammal families, including more than 80, uh, 50 endangered species. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm really surprised we haven't heard of this, though. You'd think it would have gotten some mention before this point. But, and maybe it did. Maybe it was just very specialized in journals and not in mass media. But, I mean, you have to admit, information overload is pretty significant. Um, I did a presentation today, as a matter of fact, um, talking with some people who... Um, well, let's just say they're pretty young and still being impacted by information overload um, based on the conversation, right? They, in, in less concise terms, basically said that they have to pick and choose what their interests are because there's so much available. So it says we're trying to figure out um, in every single species for each position in their genome, which position it matches to uh, the ancestor of all mammals. So how it has changed since then, explained Eleanor Carlson, one of the project's leads and director of the vertebrate genomics group at the Broad Institute of MIT in a press briefing. So um, this is a, a pretty massive scale. Um, Yet I kind of expect more. I want more. I, I, Zoonomia researchers identified more than 100 million sections of genomes that are barely different across the 200 plus species. They think that these areas are the ones that are crucial for the biology that makes all animals tick. Things like the chemistry that drives our cell, cells or how groups of cells grow and work together to make organs. This, this is, is the really only way. I wonder how, I mean, they could be getting research from this for years. It, think of all the research directions they could go with this data. 
Oh, this is generational research, right? You know, if if this continues and there is value that's extracted from it. Um, in humans, they discover that roughly 10% of their of our genome is constrained, meaning that roughly a 10th of it codes for proteins in the body or helps determine where in the body, when, and how many of those proteins get made. Previously, scientists thought that anywhere between three and 12% were functional. I think that's such a dumb thing. We just don't know. Exactly. I'm more fascinated though. They've already used the information from Zoonomia to identify new gene mutations that increase a person's risk of a particular type of brain cancer. I mean, they've, they've mentioned other things too, but I right. found that quote interesting. Yeah, this is, it's all yet another notable study to come out of the Zoonomia project so far is an analysis of famous sled dog Balto's DNA. Balto is known for leading a group of dogs on a mission to deliver diphtheria antitoxin to a highly remote area of Alaska, a journey that required incredible physical resilience. Um, and so I guess they did research to figure out why the dog was so strong. Pretty amazing. Yeah. This is generational fundamental research that's going to continue. Um, and then if they add on to it again and again and again, they can actually change this from that one shot to longitudinal um, and compare the differences. It's something that I've been wanting to do um, myself at the micro level. Um, see just, well, yeah, I'm very fascinated by genetics, but. At any rate, let's very get into and we know very little about it, I think. Yeah, we are. We're very fond of saying that we know a lot, but the reality is we know very little. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I just I, I never claim to ever be the, the smartest person in the room. Um, there are people that will sit there and say that I am, but I'm sitting there going, no, uh, I am never the smartest person in the room. So this next article is in the Late Night Geeks channel, Star Trek Fantasy. Step aboard every Starship Enterprise with this website. So let's just go straight over to The Verge, um, who put the article together. Sean Hollister is the author of this. Um, Picard just ended its run. Um, but there are others that are coming, including strange new worlds. Um, I think that this is kind of amazing stuff. I want it in virtual reality. There actually are games like the star star Trek bridge in VR that you can play right now, um, which is a multiplayer game, well, but it says fun. here. Um, yeah. And, and all you need is a VR headset and you can connect to the system and, um, play and you get to choose, you know, hey, I want to be at this station and you go through scenarios and stuff. It's a lot of fun, uh, like the Kobayashi Maru. Um, so Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, left uh, us a, a long time ago, but his archive is slowly being digitized so it can live forever. The latest batch uh, includes an official website that lets you set foot on almost every Enterprise bridge. Um, I don't know if it's the refit of the Titan based on um, Picard, but let's see if they talk about it. 
So it says it's not a particularly robust or mobile friendly website at the moment, perhaps because all of the fans attempting to live out their dreams simultaneously. But if you navigate to roddenberry.x.io, that X, they got X.io. How much money had to have been flung at that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> huh. Wow. Um, the only, like I tried to get um, a single letter domain when they first released top level domains to the public, you had to file paperwork, actual paperwork. So I sent paperwork to try and buy a single letter domain. And they were like, these are reserved yet. X.com and Z.com are owned by individuals. Well, corporations. Um, and I think that there's others now, but yeah, color me irritated. I tried to buy shiitake mushrooms, but it was a banned word in there. The word shit in shiitake. Yeah. Um, and then years later, we find out that you can actually buy it now. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, click on the bridge view and then pick a ship and you might see uh, a click anywhere to continue message. I'm not sure why they include that in there, but eventually you can actually get in. Sometimes it's overloaded and you're not going to get that. Right. They emphasize yeah. the might. <laughs> yeah, maybe not now, um, you know, but the hometown news bump it might totally throw it off now exactly so uh click on a window and your desktops um wasd wasd keyboard keys and mouse should walk you around the bridge let you sit on the captain's chair or helm check out picard's ready room even pop into a turbo lift or open a panel or two they're fully decked out with flashing panels labeled l cars buttons and moving ui elements so i am wait for it on board. All right. I just tell them, folks, they're not all gems. So they say not just talking about Kirk's bridge or Picard's bridge either. The Kelvin timeline mirror universe where Spock sported his infamous goatee. Every single enterprise seems to be represented in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Mirwat like. I like a lot. <laughs> so hoping the Voyager continue or contains some sort of Easter eggs about its torpedo inventory, though they haven't found it because it seemed to always have torpedoes, even though it had been firing it, firing them. The incredible collection of digitized bridges comes through a partnership with graphics company Otoy, O-T-O-Y. And it's not the only fruit of their labors revealed this week. Below, you'll find a series of videos the first of which also has a Picard spoiler, I'm told. So I'm not going to touch any of these. I want you, and we're done with the show, but I want you, citizens of Omtown, to go over to The Verge, follow the link through Omtown, of course, and check out these uh, videos. Um, the Roddenberry Archive videos uh, give some context to all of this. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. So... In the words of Picard, engage. Because every captain apparently has a thing to get the ship moving. And Spock's is kind of derpy. 
<laughs> yes, we saw that on the trailer today. I hope they get rid of Let's Fly from, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, what's the, Discover, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. She says Let's Fly. I really don't like that. I don't remember if that one was continued or not. Yeah, I don't know either. So, like always, we go back to the welcome sign of Ohm Town, which is actually not there. And I refresh it so that you can see that there's some more news. There's always more news. There was something like, uh, how many? 1800 new article snippets, um, Wednesday to Thursday. I believe it, uh, because it took a long time to go through all of the articles. By the way, yep. Star Trek Discovery is renewed for early 2024. Gotcha. Um, so let's see here. There's always a lot of politics, but you can sift through those pretty quick. I, I'm pretty tactical about what gets aggregated. Um, I, I try not to have a whole lot of conflating uh, political news where it's taking stuff with obvious bias or anything like that. I try and discount as much bias from hometown as possible, um, which is, I guess, bias in and of itself, but you have to account for it and, and find a balance between articles and their sources and the news. So, um, let's see. John Mulaney reveals the heck was that John Mulaney reveals that he was approached about replacing John Stewart on the daily show, but it wasn't the right thing. All right. It was a wild horse going by in hometown. I didn't know that hometown had horses, horse eye, the plural of horses is, or horse eye is horse they eye. They seem to be it? moving in. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you know how I feel about uh, horses. Apparently, they're unemployable. I know um, exactly. I was thinking we're going for an, uh, like a Wyoming feel in hometown. And, <laughs> and I think that horses should just be wild. So, like wild animals should be wild. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. Hometown Daily News Show is done. I am Marwat. That is Omtown over there. Here, I'll scroll up so you can actually see the name of it. There you go. Omtown. Um, go over, check it out. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us here on Twitch. Download the podcast. Leave a comment there. Leave a comment everywhere. Uh, Twitch really should have comments as well. Like in perpetuity, you know, like a message board kind of thing. Longer term storage as well. Um, hell, I'll even pay more um, to, to leave my uh, VODs here as well for a longer period. Whatever. Anyway, that's it. You want to say bye? Sure. Good evening, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye.